Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. My name is Tjasha Zaitz, and today's episode is as far from digital as possible. It's about our inner need for human connection and kindness. If you often go to digital health conferences around the world, you probably have seen people wearing pink socks. The guest of today's show is Nick Atkins, the co-founder of Pink Socks Life, a non-profit organization focused on promoting authentic human connection around the world. Pink Socks was founded five years after Nirk attended Burning Man in 2010. For those who don't know it, Burning Man is a special community which gathers once a year in the Black Rock Desert in Nevada, where there is nothing most of the time of the year, 70,000 people gather each August to enjoy life according to 10 principles. Radical inclusion, gifting, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, communal effort, civic responsibility, participation, immediacy, and leave no trace. Burning Man is known by amazing art, music, and mutant vehicles driving around for more than a week. But it offers its visitors educational workshops, group discussions, and more. Many people that have been at Burning Man say it transformed them. They consequently take some of the lessons with them to the quote-unquote real or default world. Five years after his experience, Nick Atkins started a movement called Pink Socks. Pink Socks Life is all about fearing less, loving more, and trying to see the good in people. So if you're interested in seeing Pink Socks energy in action, go to Twitter and search for hashtag Pink Socks. You'll be amazed how little things such as a smile, a hug, or a pair of socks can make people's day. Also, find all the links to the official Pink Socks website in the show notes or in the episode recap of our website, www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. Of course, there's much more to Pink Socks movement than just Pink Socks. You will hear more from Nick. If you don't know him yet, you might have noticed him at one of the digital health events because he has a very distinguishing signature sign, a long beard and a kilt. More about the backstory in the following conversation. So Nick, tell me, what came first, uh, Burning Man or the Kilt? Burning Man came first. Burning Man was 2010 and the Kilt didn't happen until 2012. How did you find the Kilt and decide that that's going to be your main attire? So in April of 2012, I moved from Nashville, Tennessee to Portland, Oregon. And shortly after I arrived in June of 2012, I met a burner friend who owns a kilt company called Stumptown Kilts, which is headquartered in Portland. And he said, Nick, have you, have you ever worn a kilt? And I said, no. And he goes, well, you want to try one? And I said, yes, as all good burners do, right? We put ourselves in this space and give ourselves the self-permission to say yes to new things. And June of 2012 was the first time I wore a kilt. And it's also the last time I've worn pants. I only wear kilts and I only wear their brand, except now I have a very nice proper tartan that I got in London this summer that I wear to weddings and special occasions. But for uh, my everyday wear, I, I wear Stumptown kilts. 
Did you have any problems, uh, you know, transitioning from the Burning Man environment to the default world? Because Burning Man is a safe place where people do things that they perhaps wouldn't do in the everyday life. So that's why I'm wondering, do you get any weird looks today when you wear a kilt all the time? I probably do, but I don't notice them. I've been doing it so long that it's, I don't even realize that I'm wearing a kilt. You know, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway for me from Burning Man the, the first time I went and the subsequent years is what I found so fascinating and transformational about it is that there you have 70 to 80,000 people allowing themselves to be in a heart space where they're loving and kind to each other and willing to let go of a lot of old biases and negative tapes that are running in their head, prejudices, discriminations, and uh, preconceived judgments, and just allow themselves to be in the now. So that was very nice. And, you know, it's kind of, that's where we live in, in the pink socks world is just being open, willing, and present to say yes, to have an experience, a connection with someone, to introduce yourself, to listen to their heart speak, to to listen to their story. You know, we always say everyone's got a story to share. All we have to do is stop and listen. So for me, uh, that's, that's been, that's been easy to do. It really hasn't been a difficult transition. I think it's something that we as humans all crave connection. Once we start practicing, allowing ourselves to connect with each other and talk to people on the train or on the bus, walking down the street, we see that's very helpful in a place we, we want to be. So no, it's, it's been good and easy. In 2015, when Pink Socks kind of started, you were in the middle of fun fundraising for a startup. And there's a saying in Silicon Valley, never invest in a tech CEO with a suit. So I'm really curious, like, what kind of responses did you get from VCs uh, when you were doing this uh, fundraiser? Um, do you think this uh, specific style that you had, you know, the different outlook, the different uh, self-esteem, did it help or was it more of a problem? Well, you know, I'm not really sure on that. We raised a little bit of money, but we didn't raise what we wanted to raise. I was the COO and the co-founder of a, of a tech company. And I can tell you that I never, I never wore pants to any of those VC meetings. Uh, in retrospect, maybe would raise the money if I would have put the pants on. I don't know. But uh, like I say, I, I don't even realize that I'm I'm wearing a kilt. For me, there's no, I don't feel any differentiation. I'm sure some uh, other people may, but I, it's just, it's, it's just a non-issue for me. So uh, can you share just a little bit more about what the startup that you were fundraising for uh, at that time uh, was about? I'm still kind of referring a little bit to yeah. 2010 when you went to Burning Man for the first time. And I'm curious to see like if your value system changed afterward. I was a co-founder of a company that created the first, the world's first open API for secure asynchronous video file management, all built on a HIPAA compliant tech stack, which HIPAA is this big thing here in the United States that's really been an awesome roadblock to a lot of innovation in healthcare here in the States, uh, all based around this banging loud drum marching mantra of privacy I'm sure it had the best of intentions, but there have been a lot of great technology that's been installed over the years because of it. We'd like to say we were a little too early. I'd say seeing where things are now, we were way too early. The company is still going. It pivoted back to its original concept, which was educational videos for, for providers, real patients, real doctors, real nurses, et cetera, as a med ed tool. 
company's still going. I'm, I'm just not involved in the day-to-day of it anymore and haven't been for, for several years. You've been uh, very focused on the Pink Sox movement at the moment. And the Pink Sox movement went viral in 2015 when you gifted a pair of socks to Eric Topol uh, at Hims. And uh, Dr. Topol tweeted about it, which kind of uh, attracted even more attention to um, the pink socks itself. So um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's around 60,000 socks that have been gifted so far. Can you tell me a little bit more about the community? What has happened since 2015 uh, when the community was in its early stages and now that it's so enormous? People often ask, you know, how many people do you think are in the pink socks tribe around the world? And Andrew Richards and I, the, the, the co-founder of, of Pink Sex Life, he and I are the ones who were there in Chicago in 2015 in the event you're talking about with Dr. Tobel. We really don't have a true accounting. I mean, we know how many pairs of pink socks we've gifted into the flow. You're correct. That's 60,000. But there's other people around the world that, that also celebrate this gifting ethos of, of pink socks that have given away pink socks pins or badges, hats, T-shirts, cupcakes, cakes, ties, earrings, rings, cufflinks, necklaces, you name it, right? So if you look at all the, the pink socks gifting and all the different pink socks items around the world, I mean, I really don't have a true accounting for how large the tribe is. I would say, you know, 100,000 people is an easy number. I think it's a very conservative number at this point. But what what keeps it going is, is the pink socks movement is an opportunity for you to celebrate someone other than yourself, it's an opportunity for you to celebrate what your friends around the world are doing. You know, social media is a really great platform, you know, whether talking about Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or anything else, Instagram, etc. Those are all great platforms to say, hey, look at me, look at me. Pink Socks gives you an opportunity to say, hey, look at what she's doing today. Or look at what he's doing. Look at what they're doing. Let's, let's celebrate them today. And so the Pink Socks movement is, it's really a paradox. It's a it's a movement that's made up of multiple missions. It's not about any one company, brand, logo. It's about all of us. And I think that's a big part of the magic of why Peak Socks is continuing to grow all around the world. Because of the size of the movement and the number of people that know it and are a part of it, there's obviously a clear potential to create something else or something other than just uh, gifting. Have you considered that? Um, in which direction are you you thinking regarding the potential that you could leverage from? Well, for a few years, people have been saying, hey, you know, this you could monetize this and it could you know, be this or that. And, you know, no, 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 no. From, you know, from the very beginning, it was all just for fun. And it was all built on this gifting ethos that wasn't about money. It was totally, you know, like on the playa, totally decommoditized. It wasn't a business transaction and we've kept it that way and worked diligently to, to do so. Right. And I think that's also part of the magic. So in April of this year, April of 2019, we formed Pink Sox Life Incorporated as a nonprofit and it's has structure around it. We've got a really nice board of directors and people around the world who are supporting that. Our mission is to, is to support other nonprofits, to give a social platform, to be a, uh, a force multiplier in helping give voice to other charitable organizations and all the good things they're doing around the world. So you know, it's really gone beyond healthcare and the conference circuit at this point and it has for a couple of years now. I mean, we're helping people who, organizations who are helping homeless people or feeding hungry children, driving awareness for breast cancer screening for women in India. I mean, it just 
you know, the, the list just goes on and on. We, you know, we're shipping 1,200 pairs of pink socks to an elementary school in El Paso, Texas. We just ship some pink socks to an elementary school in Chicago, Illinois. Teachers are teaching their kids all about being kind to each other and not bullying each other and to be loving and accepting and all get along. And, you know, that's really what the world needs a lot more of. And it's good to see these teachers and these other organizations doing, doing that. And so the pink socks tribe gets around them and helps amplify their, their message of, of the good they're doing in their communities in the world. So it's really just really, it's mind blowing. It blows my heart open every day when I search the hashtag pink socks on Twitter and see all the stuff that's going on. I'm just really grateful to, to be a part of it. So how exactly does the support to the other NGOs look like? Do you just support them through um, sharing their message on social media or uh, what are the actions? Um, you've mentioned that you donated 1,200 socks to an elementary school in El Paso. So, uh, you know, there are several activities that you can do, such as, um, I don't know, education or organizing meetings with young children. Talk to them about the values that Pink Socks uh, is trying to encourage in people all across the world. I'll give you a couple more examples. One is the Pink Socks tribe has, on multiple occasions around the world, been able to hook people up with with providers in, in minutes. You know, somebody puts a call out to the tribe that says, you know, I'm in... I'm in Pennsylvania and my daughter is traveling in Spain and she's in a hospital in Barcelona and I speak the language and it's an emergency and I need, I can't get over there fast enough. And within minutes we have a doctor in Barcelona that's in her room communicating back to, to her mom, just by putting the call out on Twitter through the pink socks tribe. I mean, that's how deep and well connected the, the tribe is around the world. I and mean, we've been able to hook, cancer patients up with life-saving cancer treatment just by saying, hey, I need help. I'm in Austin, Texas, and I need I need to reach somebody at MD Anderson in Houston. I need, I'm in San Francisco. I need to find somebody at the Mayo Clinic or MD Anderson, et cetera, Stanford. Within mere moments, those connections are made. Pink Sox friend in, in Austin, uh, Karen Reynas drives a program called NAMI, which is all around mental health. And she had a fundraiser. She was trying to raise, I think it was $5,000 for a walk that she was doing to support and promote NAMI. She put a call out to the Pink Sox tribe in the morning and before lunchtime, she had already raised more than she needed. <laughs> so uh, yeah. you've got a lot of kind, loving people who have philanthropy at the core tenant of their lives who want to help people who are doing other kind and loving things. And there's there's a there's an ROI on that that cannot be measured. And I'd love to keep it there, keep it in the heart. Do you think it would be against Pink Socks uh, in its core if you, for example, tried to systemize such connections as you just mentioned, you know, because it's awesome if you can help a patient find a provider faster. I'm sure many people would, would are in need of that. And I'm sure there's already an app for that. And I'm sure there's a team of co-founders somewhere that if there's not an app, they're building that and trying to raise money for it. That's not what we're about. We're all about social connection at a heart level. It has nothing absolutely to do with, with money. And the pink socks, it's, you know, it's about wearing the pink socks, but it's more than wearing the pink socks. It's gifting the pink socks that keeps it going. So, you know, you, you wear your pink socks as you already have. And people are going to say, Hey, those are cool. Those are fun. Those are funky. That's the universe tapping you on the shoulder, giving you an opportunity to meet with that person. Say, Hey, what's your name? My name is, how are you doing? 
a conversation starts. You reach in your bag and say, well, listen, I've got some pink socks for you. Boom. You just gifted some pink socks. You created a smile, just like every time when you wear your pink socks. And now this new person is going to create smiles and have connections every time they wear their pink socks. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And the exponential ripple effect of goodness that that throws around the world each day, you know, that's really what it's all about. One of the descriptions of pink socks is everybody's got a story to tell. All we need to do is stop and listen. So tell me, how many stories did you hear so far? And how many of those stories turned into friendships, not just acquaintances? Oh, I couldn't count them all. I hear stories every day, you know, whether I'm at a conference or whether I'm on a plane or standing in line at the grocery store or the post office. I, I hear some of the most awesome stories. You know, sometimes they're heartbreaking stories and sometimes they're sad stories, right? And, and that's all right. And somebody will come up to me and they'll say, I have something I need to tell you. I have a story I need to share. And I just think to the universe how grateful I am for that moment. And I look at the person, I say, I know you do, and I want to hear it. And so I share space with that person and allow them to heart speak and tell me their story. And, you know, sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's sad. Normally it's something that that's more on the sad side that they need to share. It could be anything from, I was just diagnosed with cancer, or my wife died from cancer, or my son's in prison, my daughter's in rehab. I was thinking about killing myself. I mean, on and on and on. Just being two humans, being kind to one another, being, you know, showing some empathy, stopping in the moment of a busy day, busy life. And just saying, I see you, I hear you, I, I feel what you're telling me. Again, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no ROI on that. I mean, it is the ultimate reward of being human. It is the ultimate celebration of life to meet someone and to connect like that and to hear those stories. So I certainly have no accounting for how many of those stories or how many connections I've made, but I can tell you it, it happens every day. I'm super grateful. What's your reflection on all these stories? If you try to extrapolate that on society, you've got a bachelor's degree in psychology, so you might have a different eyes, you know, on seeing how people communicate or if they are even willing to, to communicate. And uh, today, especially with the development of social media, it's been quickly realized that especially young people tend to be more anxious than or older generations and Interpersonal communication uh, is something that is a problem for for many many people. Yeah, I mean we've we've become so connected with technology that we've become disconnected. You know, so many people are on their phones and have their earbuds in or headphones. You know, they don't even hear what's happening around them. They're not even looking up to see what's happening. And they're very disconnected. You know, the pink socks gives you an opportunity to to unplug for a minute, get off your phone, take your earbuds out, and really have an authentic connection with someone. These authentic connections are what really let us let go of a lot of the stress that the inauthentic connections of technology, especially some on social media. I mean, I, I like to think about what, what this teacher in El Paso, Texas is doing with her, her little first grade class, Miss Blancas. I mean, she's got a big screen on the front of the classroom. They come in in the morning and she logs into her Twitter account searches the hashtag pink socks and sees what all of us are doing all around the world, right? New Zealand, Australia, Paris, Berlin, you know, you name it, Boston, Denver, pick a city. I mean, things are going on today, you know, New Orleans. He shows the kids and says, look, 
these folks are grown-ups, and look what they're doing. They're being loving and kind to each other, and they're hugging each other. You know, just because you're little right now, you don't have to grow out of being loving and kind and liking to hug each other. You know, look at all of these grown-ups around the world. They're doing it right now every day. If that doesn't help kids at any age, if that doesn't help adults, then I've made a really serious an error in my judgment here on on how I'm spending my life with this thing. Uh, and I don't think I have. I'm, I think I'm right on target for, for where we all want to be. And, and you know, I mean, I was with you and some old friends and new friends in, in Berlin this past week. I mean, you saw the magic of how, how this connection can happen when we allow ourselves to, to just let go of what we think we know and to say, you know, maybe uh, at our everyday jobs, most people, you know, they're doctor this or so-and-so that, and, you know, there's a title what happens when you just say, Hey, I'm, I'm Nick, I'm Carmen, I'm Brian, I'm Aline. I'm just, we're just people. Yeah. Then if you can take that back to your everyday life at your work or your school or wherever, wherever you are and, and hang on to that for a while, you know, kind of like, you know, you're a burner. So, you know, it's, it's that challenge of when you leave the play, you go back to the default world and, you know, you kind of go through this decompression period and then you're like, okay, well, how long can the magic of Burning Man stay with me? Well, I say it can stay with you 365 days a year. And, and that's you know, the connections that we shared in Berlin, all the new ideas of, of innovation and technology that were shared and all the people that got excited about what they saw and heard and, and things that were demonstrated at the conference and the, and the personal connections that were made. Those don't have to end. That excitement, you know, that flame doesn't have to to go out. You know, you make a choice to to keep it going. Every day you wake up and say, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be kind and loving. I'm gonna be as excited about this technology, this new innovation I just saw in Berlin a week ago. I'm gonna be as excited about it today and I'm gonna drive it forward tomorrow. And that's really how it works. You know, you, you make a choice to whether you wanna stay awake or go back to sleep. You know, once you wake up, it's uh, it's hard to go back. I think you pretty much answered uh, what I was about to ask. And that is if there's anything that you could say to the Pink Socks tribe or to those that don't know Pink Socks yet, what would your message to them be? I would tell you it's not really about the Pink Socks. It's about you. For a lot of people, we're using Pink Socks as a catalyst, as a catalyst to have an authentic connection. It's, it doesn't have to be the pink socks. It could be maybe it's a fun hat or funky tie or maybe the color of your hair. Whatever your thing is, go with it. Do it. Pick that thing that, that is a catalyst to help you engage with people around you. And each time people do engage with you, don't miss each one of those opportunities to see them. Let them know they're seen. And they saw you. You weren't missed. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you like the show, do leave a rating or a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Visit our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com to read the recaps of previous episodes, browse the content or get in touch. Stay tuned.